Hey everyone, Quincy here. Wanted to say thank you for catching this replay of the hashtag Ask a Soccer Pro show on your audio platform of choice. You can re-listen to this episode and all our other interviews, episodes, and audio shows over at perfectsoccerskills.com slash radio. That's perfectsoccerskills.com slash R-A-D-I-O. You can also learn more and enter to win free weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash PSTM. That's perfectsoccerskills.com slash PSTM to enter to win for free today. Thanks again and enjoy today's episode. Mateo, what up? Welcome, welcome. K9 Hampton, what's going on? set up here J Laros J dot Larios 05 welcome to the live what's going on K9 what's up what's up guys Jordan the friendly game was good the friendly game was good Jacob welcome welcome to the live what's going on guys can you guys give me thumbs up if you can hear me on the headphones if it sounds pretty decent here if it's I don't know if it's connected well Jordan yes <laughs> let me see you guys I did not promote the live for tonight so I apologize no super last minute but you know, we get going with this. It's the Ask a Soccer Pro Show, episode 13. I think we're on episode 13, guys. Shooting live out here from Clearwater, Florida. Christian, welcome to the live. Aaron, what's going on? Plot 3000, happy to have you. It's underscore one, duh, 12. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. M.A.S.Journalist. Hey, what's going on, Plot? Uh, you gonna watch Atlanta? I think there, you guys, there's like the games going on stuff right now. I should, I should like live stream an Ask the Soccer Pro show while watching a game one of these times. Chris, Chrisos.mav, welcome from Australia. Oh, well, welcome from Australia. We're out here in Florida right now. You guys can't really, I was trying to set it up so you guys could see what was going on behind, but, uh, was not, was not looking to, didn't look very good. You guys can see like, look at that, all the red from training out here preseason. Nebo, Sun, 10, what's going on? Uh, Jordan's asking for the MSL that they are ready. Christian said, uh, Sporting KC is winning 1-0 against their Champions League, right? They qualified this year, which is dope. I think they said Namath, Namath scored. So, yeah. All right, guys, you know what it is. It's the Ask a Soccer Pro Show. Let's let everyone kind of pile in here a little bit. With now 11-year MLS pro, or going into my 11th year of MLS, professional soccer player Quincy Marquois, you guys know what it is. We're here discussing the MSL. I know most of you guys say, hey, Quincy, I thought you played in the M MLS. And they go like, yeah, you're right, I do play in the MLS. MLS, which is Major League Soccer, but what we talk about here on the Ask the Soccer Pro Show is the MSL, the Mental Strength League. That is the league that you are either a part of, guess what, no, it's the league you're a part of. You're either aware you're a part of it or you're unaware you're a part of it, but you're playing the game. And that's what we talk about here. So we talk about pretty much building mental strength. You can consider me your mental strength coach. That's what I'm out here doing. And uh, yeah, we discuss anything and everything soccer and not soccer related and mindset and mentality and goal setting and goal achieving. And what brings us together is the beautiful game of soccer or football if you're anywhere else in the world, but we're here in America. And you know what we call it out here, guys. Which, to my point, is like, I don't know why everyone gets so up in arms about the fact that we call it soccer out here. But hey, what ebbs. <clears throat> anyway. So guys, on the Ask a Soccer Pro show, I dive into a couple topics usually pertaining to the seven core values of the AmeriCorps process. 
And I'm looking forward to really breaking that down for everybody here starting the beginning of March. So Ross and I have been working on building out the content in a more strategic fashion over on yeah, over on this account. I was talking as if I was on my personal account, but I'm on the Perfect Soccer account. And uh, we'll really be breaking breaking up our content into uh, to the process that we go through on a week-to-week basis to set goals, achieve goals, and to self-reflect, set new goals, achieve goals, self-reflect. There's a process to that. Um, and uh, we'll be really breaking that down here in the future. Uh, if it's the first time you're joining in on the live, how it works is you let me know where you're calling in from, where you're at in your soccer development, and you drop some questions in the live below or in the comment section below. There's usually people who are jumping in and out of the live over time. We've got a good community of people going on here who are here to help each other get better daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. And if this is your first time joining in and uh, jumping into the swing of things, you'll be sure to head to perfectsoccerskills.com slash book. Get a free copy of our book, The Perfect Soccer Player Blueprint, Master the Nine Keys to Soccer Success. You get that for free. And what's great is many of the topics, ideas, and concepts I go over in the lives and uh, the questions I answer, many of them we've already answered in our free book, The Perfect Soccer Player Blueprint. So if you haven't gotten a copy of that, make sure you go over there, grab a copy of that, read through that, get your questions answered, and join our private Facebook community so you can get your specific questions answered much quicker and easier than you can here. Like I said, many people join us in on the live, so sometimes you guys know me, I can get going, I'll miss some questions, some stuff keeps going there. Jordan, thank you for that. Let me just pin that real quick. And comments. And we can really get into it. So start firing at me some of these questions, guys, and we can jump straight into it because you know Instagram limits us to an hour. So let's see, Jordan asked, is is Rooney world class? Jordan? Yes, he is. He's a very top, top quality player. You can very much see his, um, you can see his soccer knowledge, but more importantly, I think it's his, it's his technical ability. It's just, you know, it's just a next, it's another level. You can tell that, uh, you can tell he's almost thinking a step of every, everybody else on the field because he, is ridiculously confident in his in his ability to command the ball and dictate dictate how he controls it, where he goes, where he wants to go, and just like um, how to navigate the defenders and create the best opportunities for himself. So it has been, you know, though I haven't I've only been here a little bit over a week now, maybe a week and a half. It's been uh, it's been a great experience to see so far. Yeah, K9 said, just finished a workout or training uh, if your face looks like uh, looks a little red. Yeah, so um, where I was I was in Montreal before I was down here where it's much colder, not too much sun, and this is the first time I've seen the sun in a couple of months, and it has got me. So still be getting to it. Just so we can hear them. There you go. Let's see. Guys, I appreciate you joining in on the live. I look forward. I look forward to. I look forward to the to the show. Let's see. Uh, how are you liking the city of DC? To be honest, I've only spent. I spent like a day and a half there when I first was flying in to join the team, and then we flew out here direct to uh, uh, direct to Florida. So I have not. I have not gotten enough of uh, an experience out there to really comment. It was a little bit cold while I was there, but I don't know if that's standard weather or if it's going to warm up like it is out here. So we'll see. Uh, oh, my man, DeMarcus Beasley scored a rocket last night. I saw the replay of that. I saw someone, one of the guys was watching that. I said it was a nice little right foot banger. I, if I remember correctly, I thought DeMarcus Beasley is left-footed player, so it makes it that much better. Um, let's see. So uh, J. Larios asked, should I try out for San Antonio FC Academy? 
that's a difficult question to answer because I need a bit more context. So, to maybe to help with a lot of the questions that you guys are asked, uh, the more information you can give me, like specific to your situation, maybe your age, where you're at, what you're thinking, any other like detailed information can better help me give you an answer that's specific to you and your situation, what's going on, so I can best give, so I can give the best advice that I can. When I have limited information, I make a bunch of assu- I make a bunch of assumptions for my answer, and then I let you know what those assumptions are, and hopefully they align with what where you're at and what you're needing. But if not, um, you can hopefully tailor it to what it is you're needing or add more information so I can give more clarity below. But uh, first I'd really ask, what level are you playing at right now? And is Santonio, uh, sorry, is San Antonio FC the best academy or the best club team that you have access to or the best opportunity you have to join currently? If the answer to that question is yes, then yeah, I believe you should try out for them. Now. Do you believe you are at a high enough level to be able to to realistically make the team? And that's kind of subjective and that's difficult to answer. You have to answer that for yourself. Uh, the reason why I say you have to really think about that is I don't know if it actually costs money for you to try out. So if it costs money for you to try out, I don't think it's a, it might not be the best use of your money uh, to pay for tryouts with a team if, if you don't have any legitimate opportunity or chance of making the team. Having said that, um, I think you definitely don't want to pass upon opportunities when you have them. So you have to really assess where you're at and what you're looking to achieve and, and the upside and the potential downside. So hopefully that uh, is clear for you and kind of helps a little bit with what you're doing on Nidu Bison 10 asks, what foot are you? I am predominantly right foot. Um, yeah, and even more so since like my left leg injury, uh, I feel like I am even more heavily right foot now since I've come back from it. Okay, Chrysos, Chrysos asked, what is your tip to come back from a bad season? So... If you're saying a bad season individually, I think it's a little bit different than a bad season uh, collectively. So a bad season individually, you really want to sit down, get out a piece of paper, a pen, and write down all the things that you think went bad, all the things that you think went poorly, um, and then put them into two columns. So let me break this down so you know exactly what you're So you're gonna, you're gonna write down everything that you think went horrible. Uh, even the smallest things that went terribly, terribly wrong. Get them all down on paper. So let's say there's like 20, 30 things that you can think of. You say like, my first touch wasn't there. Uh, the coach didn't believe in me. Our team wasn't that good. Uh, you know, I didn't do as much training as I should have. Uh, things didn't work out. Uh, things da 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 da. Everything, anything bad on any level scale. Write that all down. Get on a piece of paper. Then divide it up into things that are in your control and things that are not in your control, right? The things that are not in your control, go ahead and look at those and accept those things. There's nothing you can do about that. We're not gonna focus on that. So go ahead and get that out of here. So let's say you wrote down 30 things, maybe 20 of those things are outside of your control. You have no control over that, there's nothing you can do. So guess what? You're not gonna think about that, you're not gonna worry about it, you're not gonna focus on that anymore because it does not serve you to do so, it does not help. So you're gonna kick those. But guess what? On that piece of paper, you're probably gonna see 10 things that are directly in your control that you can do, that you did poorly, that you did not do enough of, and that's what you're gonna focus on. And what you're gonna do is you're gonna take that, so like for this example, let's say there's 10 things, and you're going to prioritize. By that, you're gonna say, of these 10 things, which are the most important things that should have been done, or had they gone well, or had I been done what was necessary for these to be, for uh, if I did what was necessary of these things, what would have been good as opposed to terrible for the season if I got those in place. And then you're gonna rank those. And a great way that I do this when I'm like prioritizing things in my business is I, I, I label off each one and I give it a ranking one through 10. So um, one is absolutely no bearing, doesn't really matter, and 10 is like, crucially important, extremely important. 
and I'll go like, let's say on the first one I say, oh, okay, that's a 10, the second one I say that's a 6, the third one I say that's a 10, the fifth one, fourth one I say that's a 7, the, the, the sixth one I go is a 2, boom. Now all of a sudden of those 10, maybe four of those are 10s, so those are the top of the list. And then like maybe two or three of those are 9s or 8s, 5s or 5s or 6, you get what I'm saying? Now you're prioritizing those, okay? Now you're going to look at the 10s that are there. So let's say there's, in this example, there's four 10s. Now you're going to rank those in terms of which one of these four, if I solved first, would make the next one easier, would improve the next one, or make the next ones there. And that's how you prioritize those four. And you'll know, you'll now be able to look dead in the, with your eyes, square on the piece of paper, the one thing that is within your control that didn't do well, but you know you can improve and focus on and do better on, that will make the next four on the top 10 better, which will probably then translate into the other ones that are things that didn't that went bad. So uh, a, an analogy to bring this all together so you can better understand it would be, most people address problems by solving their symptoms. And what does that mean? So let's say I have, uh, Let's say I have a high cholesterol and I'm at risk for a heart attack, right? Well, most people then go, oh, okay, I went to the doctor. The doctor says I'm at high risk, I have high cholesterol. Um, I'm at risk for a heart attack. So I need to take this medication, this medication. And then what do they do? They go get the prescription, they take that medication, and what happens? There's side effects of that. Okay, this one makes me sleepy and this one, uh, this one makes me sleepy and this one makes me loopy and I don't really can't focus and do all that. So then the doctor then goes, oh, okay, well for this and that, you gotta take this pill and that pill. And all of a sudden now you're taking a whole bunch of pills, taking a whole bunch of medication. You're working on a whole bunch of different symptoms, right? Your symptoms, the things that are the result of the high cholesterol. Now you've got, you know, the foggy brain and the lack of sleep and all that kind of stuff. But what's the underlying problem? Well, the problem in this analogy, in this situation is I have a very terrible diet. I eat horribly. I, I eat fatty foods and fast foods all day, every day, and that's all I eat. That's all I have eaten, and I don't exercise, and I've been doing that and living that lifestyle for over five years or 10 years, right? And as a result of that lifestyle, as a result of the underlying problem, I have these symptoms of high cholesterol, high blood pressure, hypertension, all that kind of stuff. And then I'm going to the doctor to address the symptoms. And doing so is because in some cases people are aware of the problem. The problem is their diet and their, how they're taking care of their body. In many cases, people are unaware. They don't realize that it is their lifestyle is the reason why they have these symptoms and these issues and these problems. So they're just addressing the symptoms. The reason why I'm saying all this is so you can understand it from multiple angles. Are you someone who is addressing symptoms because either you want to avoid addressing the problem or doing the work that is assigned, that is alignment with the problem, or are you addressing symptoms because you haven't been able to properly identify what the root cause of a problem is? Either scenario doesn't matter in the terms of like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it's either, either or because the result is the same. The result is you're not addressing the fundamental problem. It doesn't matter fundamentally if you are unaware of it or if you're aware of it because in both instances you still have the same problem. The difference is people who are unaware might feel okay with being unaware. Well, I didn't know. And I'll say, like, well, just, just because you didn't know something doesn't mean you're not still responsible for it. And that can be a whole other can of worms. But we're talking about with things, again, on this list we're talking about is with a list of priority of things that are in your control that didn't, do, that didn't go well that you want to address and improve. Right? So hopefully that brings that all together in the idea of saying, okay, focus on the root problem or issue, but do so with the idea of focus, uh, of not allowing yourself to waste time on symptoms that can be fixed by just addressing the problem. So you're gonna have to do the work, you're gonna have to put in the work, so you might as well do the work at the thing that's gonna get you the greatest results. And that process that I just walked you through about um, breaking it down, prioritizing it, segmenting it out, uh, should be, should hopefully make it much more clear in terms of how best to go about doing that. Because I see, I see many people focusing on things that are completely outside of their control, which does nothing for you, 
right? Because it's outside of your control. There's nothing you can do about it. So you're literally wasting time, energy, and probably money, and your mental capacity, and all that kind of stuff. Then the next people, let's say, they they address that. Okay, they don't worry on the things that are outside of their control. They're, they're worried on the things that are inside of their control. But they're focused on the symptoms that are inside of their control, which means the problem always exists. So you're just fighting symptoms all the time, and then that just means more and more problems are going on. And since you're not addressing the fundamental problem, that problem only grows larger with time because you're not addressing it. So that's how you then prioritize your symptoms and then find the root problem, and then you 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 just work on the problem, and then you don't work you don't. You don't move on to the next until you've addressed and solved that problem. And uh, yes, so that is how you come back from a bad season. And hopefully, guys, you can start fully understanding and seeing. Sorry, that probably many of the things that you're watching, or maybe people you're following, or things that you're going through, are giving you very short, sharp, simple answers to things. Uh, in in terms of in terms of not having to put in the work to match what it is that you're wanting to fix or address, right? So many times the answer is very simple, like in the sense of like, hey, do what you know you should be doing, right? That's a simple answer, but how to do that can be very it can require a lot more effort than simply just thinking about it. So, uh, knowing how to solve your problems and actually doing the work to solve your problems are two separate two separate things uh, that that I think is difficult. And if it wasn't difficult, it wouldn't be as meaningful to to achieve to achieve it. Um, okay. So Jordan had asked. Uh, what's your favorite shooting drill and how much do you work on shooting as a striker? So uh, I think that depends on where you're at in your career in terms of uh, in terms of overall frequency. I think the younger you are, the more reps and repetitions you want to get in. The older you are, the more uh, the more strategic you want to get with it. And by that, I mean, there's there's different parts of the game that you're trying to manage and maintain while you get older, like maintaining your body and um, your fitness and not getting injured and stuff like that. And uh, you're not as able to do you're not able to do as much as you are when you're when you're younger. So when you're younger, I think any uh, shooting drills that get you repetition, but game like repetition, uh, that's something I think many players waste a lot of time in their shooting drills doing. They're so for instance. One of the drills I enjoy doing a lot, but it's not the most practical, is the two-touch shooting drill at the top of the at the top of the 18, where on the end line a ball is served into you. You get to take a touch within the 18, and then you touch and you shoot and finish. That is a very fun drill. I enjoy that. I have a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun doing that. But if I'm being honest, that drill is not conducive to improving my Improving with in-game situations like how often as a striker are you receiving a back ball in the air to the top of the D to take a touch have a look up with nobody in front of you and finish I think for me that answer is never I think I've seen it happen like two times in the entirety I've been playing but that is something that many players and people practice all of the time and when you really think about it you go like why is that 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 doesn't make sense if the point of doing the drill is to improve yourself for in-game situations. So, uh, when shoot, when working on shooting as a striker, do so in a manner that best mimics game-like situations. So, um, let's say a mannequin right in front of your face. Uh, you touch it, you, you literally touch it one touch wide just to get six inches of space, maximum touch, strike. And you're not even trying to, uh, like the keeper shouldn't even matter. You're trying to hit the same spot every single touch, shot, touch, shot, touch, shot, touch, shot. Even if your goalkeeper is cheating and they're saving every single goal, that doesn't matter. You're not focused on them. You're focused on getting the space and kicking your shot 
quickly as possible and picking out your spot every single time and just repetition, 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 repetition. Then you do that the other side, repetition, repetition, repetition. Uh, and then the same one and then back across your body. So touch wide across, touch wide across, touch wide across. Reps. So that's, that's going to best help you when you get in the in-game situation because you have very little time to make decisions. You have very little time to uh, get your shot off. And the quicker you can do that, the more the more opportunities you're going to give yourself, and the more goals you're going to score. So that's something that, um, looking back, um, I definitely could have worked on much more in my career, and um, something I now know the importance of to a degree that I didn't necessarily know when I was younger. So um, I definitely do a lot more of that now. But I do also know how much training on that on, from that particular perspective that I missed out on uh, that could have greatly, you know, increased my abilities as a player. Um, Shannon asked, "Have a great or Shannon said, have a great season from Cali. What do you think about Wando breaking the record? I think he'll do it. I mean, you already see." Wando always has double-digit years when he's playing, so even if he's, I don't know what his role with the, with the team is this year, I generally saw a replay of their game and he was starting and he scored a goal there, so I don't know. If he starts this year, he for sure he for sure breaks the record, but even if he's just used, utilized off the bench, he also breaks the record. He, he's, a, he's just a natural goal scorer. The, he knows where to be in the right, right areas and he's, he's very clinical. So I think, if I remember correctly, he's only two away from the record. But I'm not. I'm not 100% certain. And you're basically saying like Wando would have to score 95% less goals than he's scored over the last like every year for the last eight years to not to not make it. So. Oh, Jay Lario said he's calling from San. He's he's joining us from San Antonio, Texas. Shout out San Antonio. Um, Christian said I will never forget the goal you scored at Avaya against Timbers. I was there and I'm an Earthquakes fan. Hey, well, I'm glad you were there. That was a good time. That was a fun goal, and I enjoyed that. Um, let's see, Fernie G11 asked, "Would you rather win MLS Cup but play, or I think I understand what you're asking? Let me see. Would you rather win an MLS club, club but probably but not play in the final, or get called up with the U.S. to the World Cup and play every game but not win?" Okay, so would I rather win an MLS Cup and play and, I'm assuming, win the final, or get called up with the U.S. to the World Cup and play every game but not win? I would rather get called up to play for the U.S. in the World Cup, play every game and not win. If you're telling me, like, if you're saying play in a World Cup and not win versus win an MLS Cup, I would choose to play in a World Cup and not win. I feel like most players would, would would say the same thing. World Cups every four years. I mean, you can try, you can you have the, the opportunity to try to win an MLS Cup every single year. And then I also won an MLS Cup in 2010, so that probably makes it a little bit unfair. But even if I didn't win an MLS Cup in 2010, if you're you're saying I had to pick between an MLS Cup and a World Cup, playing in the World Cup, I'm playing every game in the World Cup, then yes, that'd be a little bit more difficult if you said. Would you rather go? Would you rather win an MLS Cup and play, or go to the World Cup but not play in any games? I think that would be tougher. But even then, I think making a World Cup, making a World Cup squad from the perspective of a player, I think is much less likely to happen than to win an MLS Cup championship. So. I mean, that would have made it more difficult, but still, I still think uh, pick and roll them. Um, Christos, Christos asks, what's your tip for being the perfect finisher? Uh, repetition. Repetition and composure in the box. I think the more reps you get, the more confident you get on the ball, the more confident you are on the ball, the more time you have, the more time you have is a result of the composure you have. Uh, the more composed you are, the more likely you are to pick out your spot. Uh, and 
the more difficult you're going to make it on the goalkeeper to prevent you from scoring. So when you do all that, you're going to score more goals, you score more goals. Hey, you're playing in the World Cup and you're winning an MLS Cup championship. So let's see. Uh, is there team chemistry events like bowling or some other activity to get acclimated into the new team? Uh, I think every team has their own process, and I've been a part of a couple of them. Uh, for the most part, most teams, especially like the team leaders and captains and stuff, put together team events that guys will go and do. Usually guys will go see, or no, guys on their own will like go see a movie, hang out, do stuff like that. Bowling would definitely be an event that a lot of guys do. I think today we went... We, we all went out to the to the beach and played like uh, we just made up some like game out in the water with with a ball. So I think most teams have good build team chemistry through team events and stuff. And then I think a lot of guys tend to make friends and like hang out and go do stuff on their own as well too. So let's see. Uh, T goalkeeper underscore O13 asks, Hi, I failed my Montreal Impact tryouts. Any tips for for next season? Yo, Ross, join the live. What up? Hey, sorry to interrupt, but if you've enjoyed listening to this episode and learning what it takes to increase your mental strength, well, how would you like to work with me one-on-one -on -one directly? Now you can with B-Pro Mentality. Head over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash bpro, that's perfectsoccerskills.com slash b-e-p-r-o to apply to work with our network of pro players today. Any tips for next season? I'm a U12 goalkeeper. Well, first, I would head over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash book, get yourself a free copy of the book, read that book, get an understanding of the mentality side of it, and then after you go through that, we have just recently added the our goalkeeper book as well there to the site as well too, Alec Can, so he's a goalkeeper for Atlanta United, uh, my old teammate out in Chicago, helped us put that book together and then I think in collaboration with Stu Seus, uh, he helped bring that together as well too. Those guys are goalkeepers, they've got some professional experience and uh, they can speak to that side of it much better than we can. Because like I said, I'm only going to teach you and talk to you about things I've done for myself and I know how to do it. Uh, Ross said, why is, why is this guy a Cuban? You know, you know what it is. Gosh, guys, you guys know I always fall, fall behind on the, on the stuff. D. Lano 17, welcome. Emily, 25, welcome. VX, 1804, what's going on? Let's see what we got here. Soccer dot high school said, please tell me some examples of anaerobic training. Uh, some great examples would be over on our, oh, there we go. Messed that up, almost broke that. Okay. Some good examples would be on our YouTube channel. So make sure you head over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash YouTube. Um, we, post, we post over on One Skill, One Drill and our Fitness Fridays. Uh, Ross has been making Fitness Fridays programs based on what he was doing over the course of his career, but um, my old strength and conditioning coach, Greg Tella, so he's got 10 years of experience with the San Jose Earthquakes, doing all the strength and conditioning and fitness programs for them for the last decade, is helping us to get programs and everything that we've got focused on and working forward for Fitness Fridays moving forward. So um, definitely head over there and subscribe if you haven't already to get access to all of that because it's free. Let's see. Ferramarez, Ferramarez, 14 asks Quincy, how did you become a pro? Well, I'll give you the quick, the quickest synopsis. So I played youth soccer. Um, I played youth soccer, AYSO, um, like from three or four years old till I want to say around eight or nine. Then I joined a club team, Bakersfield Alliance from nine, and I played with them until I was 16 years old. While, while I was going through that, I also played high school. I also played in high school. And then when I was 16, in the last year of my last tournament, on my last college soccer 
uh, no, no, not college soccer, sorry. Uh, my last youth soccer uh, tournament, I happened to get seen and recruited in the same night in the last game of my youth soccer career. So before that, I was under the impression that I was going to go to UC Berkeley under, you know, getting in there academically on my own. And I was going to try to walk on to the track and field team because I happened to also do pole vault while I was in high school. And I did pretty well in pole vault. And uh, with my heights, zero. Um, with my heights in pole vault, I could have, at that time, with what was there, I, I was very confident in my ability to walk onto the track and field team. Now. So that was my plan. But then in the last tournament, I happened to get seen by two college coaches. They both brought me in on what are they called? The recruitment trips. I think there's a term for it, but I forgot what it is. Basically, I went on recruitment trips, and uh, I settled on going to UC Davis. I spent four years at UC Davis. I spent four years at the University of Davis, uh, playing playing D1 soccer there. Had a had a had a good career. Had a great time. I loved loved my entire time there, and uh, I happened to do well enough while I was there that. In 2009, the San Jose Earthquakes picked me up in the, the 2009 MLS draft. And uh, from there, I got brought in. At that time, being drafted just really meant you were on trial. <laughs> so I got a glorified trial with the San Jose Earthquakes in 2009. So I went, I went on trial there. I happened to do well enough. They offered me a contract. And I said, all right, let's do it. And uh, 10 years or 11 years later, here I am. Obviously, a whole lot's happened along that 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 process and things, uh, the things that had to happen for that to to go about. And I've talked, I've kind of talked at length that, about that and other stuff. If you're wanting to kind of get a little bit more in the weeds of that, you can definitely go to uh, PerfectSoccerSkills.com, or articles and blogs, and you can, uh, or you can scroll down to the bottom of the page and click the search, the search tab, and in the search tab, type in um, how I went from. Think I wouldn't play college, uh, play soccer again to become a professional soccer player. So that was uh, that's the title of the article that I wrote. That kind of goes into more depth on uh, how I made it to pro. But we'll also break down, you know, the mistakes that I made that I see other players making and ones that you can avoid on your soccer journey. So um, okay. So Christian said in regards to my bad season question, my. My game time was terrible. Coach was rude and only scored two goals as a winger striker. So, okay, based on everything that I told you in terms of breaking it down, I know you could probably create a list much longer than that. Uh, so make sure you go through that entire the entire thing that I talked about in terms of what's in your control, what's out of your control. Because the main thing is uh, your game time, in terms of if you're saying your game, your the amount of time that you played was terrible. Well, that's out of your control because the coach determines that, right? So then you're saying like, well, did you make the most of the time that you did get? And where you're saying I only scored two goals as a winger striker, then I'd say like, well, is that an adequate number of goals that you should have scored considering how much time you played? I don't. If you only played ten minutes in the whole year, I'd say two goals is pretty solid. But if you're saying you know you played every single game, you know you averaged forty minutes every single game and you played 40 games and you had two goals um, as a winger or striker, then I'd say, okay, well, what is your job and role and responsibility for the team? Maybe your job isn't necessarily to score. Maybe it's to create opportunities for other players. So like I said, everything is very individual-based, uh, which is why I say the, the pillar to all of this and everything we talk about is all rooted in self-honesty. You have to be honest with yourself, even when it's difficult to be honest with yourself. If you can't be honest with yourself, you have no real basis for creating any type of long-term success because it's always going to be fleeting. Things can be going really well for you for a little bit and then it'll go terrible and you won't be able to look back and properly assess why it didn't go well and then formulate a plan to avoid uh, avoid the difficulties of it in the moving forward in the future. So the things that I'm teaching you guys, the things I'm talking about, aren't necessarily the, the be-all, end-all you know, answer like, oh, you do this and everything's gonna go perfect and you're gonna go pro. What I'm teaching you is my process that has allowed me to figure out how to go pro and how to stay at a professional level for over a decade. So that means there had there was a lot of tough conversations I had with myself about what it is that I was doing well, was doing poorly, what I 
needed to be better at and what I needed to ignore and what would be a waste of time or a poor investment of my time versus what is the most useful investment of my time and what may have been the most useful for me at my particular time with my particular skill sets in my particular environment may not be conducive for you in your particular environment but the process for figuring it out works for any environment that you may see yourself go into so whether you're in a positive environment where everyone is super supportive and everyone believes in you and they're giving you all of their you know all of their money time energy and experience and knowledge you need to be honest with yourself as to are you taking that for granted are you applying it the best way that you can are you doing everything you can to to squeeze every opportunity out of out of what you've got going for you that's self-honesty and if you're in a terrible environment where your coach hates you things aren't going well you don't know what to do uh, no one supports you you don't have any resources you don't have any connections well you still got to be self-honest with yourself because you got to go like, well, am I going to accept the fact that all those things are out of my control and the limited things that are within my control? Am I being honest with myself? Am I doing anything and everything I possibly can to make sure I am putting myself in the most advantageous position and situations that I can? Well, okay. Both of those environments are polar opposites. They're completely different, but self-honesty is required and necessary in both environments to assess what's around them, around you, uh, leverage what's around you, and execute as best as possible. And then the next step of that is once you've done some things based on being self-honest or as honest as you can be with your current self, then once you have some data, once you have some information, once you have a little experience, now you can look back and you can say, okay, now that I can see the results of what I went and did, I can now look and see, okay, look, I was honest with myself and my willingness to do the work necessary to get better. So I can't fault myself for doing that. But what I didn't know then that I do know now is that I shouldn't be focused on, like I said earlier in the conversation, I was talking about like most players are just taking their shots from the top of the box that aren't getting like shots so that you're not really helping yourself. So you might not know that at the time. So when you're being honest with yourself, you're saying like, yeah, I'm doing everything I can. I'm, I'm shooting every day. I practice my shooting for two hours every single day. Um, outside of training, I'm doing everything that I could. Okay, well, some time has passed. You haven't gotten considerably good, better at it. Now you've watched this episode, you've heard me speak, and you go, oh, I didn't know or I was unaware that you know, I'm not helping myself because I'm not giving myself game-like situations. Well, you didn't know that then. So now that you know that, you can look back, you can be self-honest again and say, okay, well now I'm gonna keep doing that same two hours of work because if I'm honest with myself, that's necessary, I need to do it. But if I want to get more honest with myself, what I was doing in those two hours wasn't the best use of my time. So I'm now going to do drills, skills, and implement things that are a better use of my time than what I was doing then. You'll then apply that and maybe then you'll start to see some drastic improvements that you couldn't see before, that you weren't getting before. And what you might not realize is uh, it's not because you weren't working hard, it's because you weren't working smart. So the thing that I definitely want anyone and everyone who listens to this now, uh, listens to this, this live replay in the future, is go, do not make the mistake of believing that just because you work hard means that you deserve anything or you're entitled to anything. Or that the person who's working smart isn't going to beat you. Hard work and smart work gives you the best opportunity to win, but it's not guaranteed to win. But it gives you much more opportunities to stick around longer term, and the longer you stick around, the more likely you will win, right? So it's a time game, it's a patience game, it's a consistency game. And most people don't wanna play that game. That's why it's easy to win that game if you learn how to stick around for a long time. So learning to stick around for a long time is difficult. But figuring it out and knowing what to do then makes winning the game easy. But most people aren't willing to stick to the process of figuring it out long enough to get to the point that it becomes easy, which means it's hard. It's very, very, very hard. And I think I sent a tweet out couple days ago or something like that is speaking to the point that um, 
most people make the mistake of believing that because they can see someone doing something that it must be easy. But the way I see it and I look at it is, well, if, if someone else can see the same thing as you, then that means everyone can see it. And if everyone can see it, that means it's ridiculously competitive. And if it's ridiculously competitive, it is way, way harder to achieve what you're looking at than what it seems like it takes to achieve. So all the things that people are paying attention to, all the things that people really are aware of, those are the most difficult things to do because everyone's aware of them, everyone's aware of it, and everyone's trying to figure out how to attain that same thing. So what does that mean? Well, a multi multitude of things. One is if that's what you want to do, so let's say everyone sees professional soccer players and they want to be a professional soccer player, well, guess what? That means there's a lot of competition and a whole bunch of people want to do that. And they want to do it for whatever reason. They can be for good reasons, wrong reasons. It doesn't matter what the reason is. They want to do it. So they're trying to figure out and do everything they can to get there just like you. So how hard is it going to be to figure out a way that you can set yourself apart from everybody else? Well, that's going to take time, right? And it's going to take a lot of energy. It's going to take a lot of effort. And there's no guarantee that you're going to figure it out. But having said that, if you can find a market or a niche, you know, a niche, you find something that people aren't paying attention to, but you know is valuable and important, and people don't see the value in it that you see in it, that is much easier to accomplish than the thing that everyone else sees right now. So if you want to start projecting yourself out in the future, start thinking, thinking, you know, you know, two years, three years, five years down the road, you can better put yourself in a, in a situation to capitalize on something that people don't, people aren't paying attention to now, but you believe they'll pay attention to or they will value more in the future. That is investing, right? So you're seeing something that you believe is valuable, that you think other people will believe will be valuable in a set amount of time. Well then, what are you going to work on and build and do while people aren't paying attention so that once they are paying attention, you are the top of the heap. You're the you're the best of the best. You're the, you're the best to be to the best to pick from, right? As opposed to focusing only on what's popular now. I think a lot of people make the mistake of only doing what what's popular now, which means what's popular now is always changing. So that means what you're lacking in that is consistency, and consistency is required for success. So if you're always chasing what's popular now you won't be successful unless you get lucky and getting lucky is okay only if you acknowledge that you were lucky and you know why you were lucky and then you figure out a way to become lucky again right luck could be the first time but you do the second time the third time the fourth time it's got to be something more than luck and if you're someone who just says oh that person's lucky that person's lucky they got lucky this is lucky well if luck is the only way that anything gets accomplished then don't do anything. Just sit around and wait until luck falls your way. Because like you said, it's luck. And if it's only luck, then you have no influence on that. But you got to buy a lotto ticket to win, right? It's kind of the same thing with everything else. But think of life, or let's say success, as a lottery you can win if you, if you play long enough. I mean, the lottery... If you had an unlimited amount of money and time... If you played the lottery long enough, you would win, just like statistically speaking. And I guess this, this better sums up my philosophy on this. When I say consistency and sticking to something over a long period of time, you will eventually win because there are only so many numbers in the lottery. If you can figure out a way to make enough money to buy a lottery ticket every single day and you figure out a way to live for a billion years, right? if you figure those two things out, you're guaranteed to win the lottery right like statistically speaking because it's just a matter of time and that's really what success is it's a matter of time do you have enough time energy effort money resources to wait the time it's going to take to reach your goals to become successful and then once you get there are you going to be aware enough self-aware enough to look back and understand the patterns or reasons why you were successful 
and be able to repeat that in the future so you can maintain success, right? So once you win the lottery and you, you know, maybe it's a million years from now, you finally win the lottery, well now you've won and you can look back at all the data and you say, you know what, maybe you see a fundamental pattern that the next time it takes you only half, you know, half a, or, yeah, half a million years to win the lottery. And then the second time, now you've won the lottery twice, so maybe you're, you're learning a little bit more about how it works, right, in life, right? So the third time it takes you 250 million years, then 100,000 years, then 10,000 years, then 5,000 years, then, 10, then 100 years, then 10 years, then a year, right? And from the person who doesn't understand your process and what you're doing, they're going, how is this person winning every year? They must be lucky. That's how most people, that's how most people talk about other people's success. Oh, that's luck. Oh, they're lucky. Oh, that's lucky. Well, just because you don't understand the process of how to be successful at this, doesn't mean that it's luck. It doesn't mean it's luck, especially if they're doing it every year consistently over time. They know something you don't know. So figure out what it is that they don't know and uh, show a little respect. Uh, Jordan asks, Okay, well, I want to make sure I let you get. So I got 10 more minutes before uh, Instagram will kick me off here. I appreciate all of you guys who definitely stick with me on the lives in their entirety. I love it. So let me see. Jordan asks, what, what's the biggest financial literacy lesson you've learned? Okay, that's a loaded question, but let's, let's see. The biggest financial literacy lesson I've learned is that Everyone is an investor, whether they know it or not, and most people are poor, poor investors. Because as we've discussed many times in the past, the thing that you are always investing is your time, and usually you're investing your time in poor investments, in poor assets, in, in things that are not gonna create future cash flow for you. So you're gonna invest your time in watching you know, the Kardashians. Well. For a majority of people, so here, let me make sure I preface this right. For a majority of people, investing your time in watching the Kardashians is a poor investment. And by that, I mean it's a net negative for you in the long run. Like, it's not adding to your life, maybe outside of, some people say, hey, listen, Quincy, I enjoy it, it's entertainment, I love watching the Kardashians. And I go, okay, there's a time and place for entertainment. And during your time, that's entertainment, so let's say you, you, you allow yourself five hours of you know, of entertainment that can be, does not have to teach you anything, you don't have to learn anything, no problem, per week, that's fine. And you wanna dedicate that time to the Kardashians. Cool. What I'm going is, I say, you're never getting that five hours back, and if you're saying, you know, the enjoyment you get from it is worth the investment of your time, okay, that's fine. But the way I, I see it is I say, okay, is there a way that you can invest that same five hours in watching the Kardashians if that's what you wanna do, where, you know, two months or three months from now, you make some money as a result of it. What if you're someone who commentates on the Kardashians, you build an Instagram live feed where you talk about that because it's your passion, you enjoy it, and you like watching it. Okay, now I'd say that's a positive investment of your time. That's a good investment of your time because watching them means you're up to date on what's going on and you're creating and building an audience and a business talking about them or selling products about it or doing something like that. That's how you take one thing and it's completely a bad, poor investment and you can take the same thing and it can be a positive, net positive investment. My question to you, most people is saying, are you even asking yourself that question when you're investing your time? And are you being honest, so self-honesty again, with, with uh, the amount of time, if, with the idea of the amount of time you're investing in it being a net positive for you? Are you lying to yourself just because you enjoy it? And if so, uh, if you're not where you say you wanna be in life, you need to make some adjustments. So that would be the biggest financial literacy lesson. Um, in terms of like a uh, big picture view. Uh, specifically, if you're saying like, what is the one thing that you definitely need to do and learn is you need to learn to budget your money. You need to understand and learn how money works and how you need to make money work for you. And the book I'd recommend that you definitely read would be Rich Dad Poor Dad by uh, Robert Kiyosaki, if you haven't already. And if you have already, uh, especially when you're younger because you don't have as much experience with money, I'd say, Read that book once every year for the next 10 years. Because every single year you're gonna learn more and know more and you're gonna read that book with a new perspective and a new understanding of 
different concepts and ideas in the book. And you also want to burn those concepts of money management into your mind so you are uh, so you become dangerous in life. Um, let's see. Uh, Christian said sport in Kansas City. Tuesday. Okay, so that's what so Chris was telling me. These guys scored, so you're telling, so they're saying like they're at, um, what do you call it? 3-0. Saga said, uh, nice performance yesterday. You got tackled and had a pretty below average shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, they're the one. I rushed. I rushed my. Sh so he's talking about the game that we played. We played a. We played Philadelphia Union yesterday, and I got on the last twenty-five minutes or so. And uh, my first, my first shot, I pulled it just wide. Uh, I did well to to get the shot off quickly. But if I would have, if I would have, did it more inside of the post, should have should have been a goal. And then the second one. I rushed my shot and just completely shanked it super far wide, so <laughs> could have done better. But it's good, because I'll learn from it. Giovanni uh, asked, uh, Quincy, yeah, Giovanni asked, Quincy, have you ever played rugby? Only for fun and pick up with my friends. But I feel like I have a body type that more naturally aligns with that. Looks like a bunch of people are joining the call live. Guys, thanks for joining in live. I'm in, we're in the last like three minutes of the live, but I would definitely recommend that you guys turn on push notifications because you know this is the Ask a Soccer Pro show and I go live every Thursday night at 6 p.m. PST, no matter what, even if I'm in beautiful Clearwater, Florida in preseason because I still make time for you. I, guys, I even, I'm in the hotel. I still, I traveled with all my stuff and I set it all up. So, um, Ruben, welcome to the live. Happy to have you. Audrey, A-D-R-I, A-D-R-I. Welcome. Kenan, Kenan, MLJ1606. Welcome. Kansafuba, K-A-N-S-N. Oh, got a, got a call, so I think that cut out on me there. Welcome, welcome. Nathan, hello, what's going on? Uh, M.AS journalist. I'd be happy to join the podcast. Uh, shoot shoot an email to contact at perfectsoccerskills.com with all the details information uh, for it so we could get something sorted out. Um, probably once I get back to DC and get settled in there and all that kind of stuff together, we'll, uh, we'll be able to figure out a time that goes for that. Um, yeah, guys, I think I got probably like two minutes left. So if anyone's got a final last question I can answer in like less than a minute let's see okay okay Jordan asks here you go this last one because I think I'll get get going there um, how can we implement the penny a day for 30 days rule in soccer okay so before training starts every single day I make sure that I get at least 500 to a thousand touches on the soccer ball and what that does is it gets me a little bit tired before training, before we've even started to do warm-ups. I'm already tired. I'm already a, probably a couple steps behind all the guy, all my teammates at that point in time. But then I still have to get through the warm-up, get uh, move forward, and um, and get through the training as if like I came in fresh like everybody else. Maybe in the first week or so, or a week or two, um, you know, I'm a step behind because of that. But by week three, week four, I start to build up and I start to grow. And that gives me, by the end of, let's say, by day 30, I have 15,000 to 30,000 more touches than my teammates just from spending that 15, 20 minutes before training every single day to get those extra touches on the ball. Doing a bunch of different drills, moves, just touches on the ball. Touch, 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 touch. A little bit of passing up against the wall. So repetition, like Ross talks about that a lot in our one skill, one drill, our fitness Fridays and all of that and the other. So like um, the things we talk about are things that we do and we apply ourselves. So that is how you apply the penny a day rule there. 
you do not go out and just you know do striking shooting training for an hour and a half and or like for three hours and tire yourself out so you can't shoot again for another two weeks. Consistency over time. So how many touches? Maybe when you're starting out, you can do get 100 touches every single day before training for at least every day for 30 days. Then the next month is 200 touches, then 300, then 400. You know, then within a year, you're at 1,000 touches or 10 months, you're with 1,000 touches before training every single day. And that starts to add up by year two, year three. You're, you're gonna end up getting hundreds of, thousands of, hundreds of thousands of more touches on the ball than your competition. And doing that is gonna set you apart from them. But we've got 30 seconds left. Usually cuts off before the 30 seconds uh, hits there. I wanna thank everybody for joining me on the live. If you aren't already, oh, the Soccer Mama joined. What's going on? You're catching me in the last 20 seconds, but you guys can definitely watch the replay. As always, I repost all the all the replays over on our Perfect Soccer YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe over there if you haven't already. Head over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash bpro. Join um, and apply to work with our teams for individual coaching, mentorship, and one-on-one -on -one trainings. Again, guys, happy to have you. Turn on push notifications so you join me live next week at 6 p.m. PST. I will see you. Quincy Ameriqua here, and thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share it with someone you feel will get some value from it. And if you could take a moment to leave a review of our podcast wherever you're listening and let us know who you would like us to interview next, we'll get working on it right away. You can re-listen to this episode and all our other interviews, episodes, and audio shows over at perfectsoccerskills.com slash radio. That's perfectsoccerskills.com slash R-A-D-I-O. You can also enter to win free weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash P-S-T-M. That's perfectsoccerskills.com slash P-S-T-M to enter to win for free today. Thanks again, and see you guys in the next episode. Thank <laughs> you.